Welcome back for the fourth episode of Loss of Down. Thank you here for joining us. As we're talking right now, the Broncos just threw a pick six in here. The game is now 27-25 without the extra point here. Pierre Desir, who had a nice toe drag interception here earlier, takes it to the house. All of a sudden, this is potentially a one-point game, and I took the Broncos at plus one. So how are you feeling about this game? We're diving right into it, Wally. (laughs) I... I gotta admit, this has been a much more entertaining game than any of us had seen coming. That said, obviously I'm rooting against the Broncos, but I mean, wow! I'll give a, I'll give the Jets and I'll give Adam Gase credit. Everything that we've read in the media this last week seems that if the Jets do manage to lose this game, his job is done. I mean, the Jets aren't good, and the Broncos are decimated by injuries. But I mean, hey, we got a, we got a football game here with about ten minutes left, Stephen. And as you were speaking. The New York Jets go for a two-point conversion, and they fail. 27-25, Denver over New York, still holding life onto that. Denver plus one. So I'm I'm sitting pretty right now, so I cannot complain. But we're not here to talk about the Thursday night game. Literally no one else outside of New York and Denver are, are going to be talking about this game. Let's get into this week three here, Wally. It was a crazy one, especially after all the injuries we had the week prior. We'll see how this is going to look. We're going to start off with the Minnesota Vikings blowing a nice lead to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee coming out on top right behind Derrick Henry's nice 119 yards and two touchdowns. Both scored in the fourth quarter to put them over that hump and finally get them to go up 31-30. Complete the comeback in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins looking horrible. 16 of 27, 251, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Wally, what the hell happened in this game? Is Tennessee's offense really this potent potentially? Or is Minnesota just that bad defensively and a whole team together? I think it is a little bit of both. Uh, The Vikings' defense is so much worse than I had ever thought it would be. Uh, The Ngakwe uh, trade did not seem to work nearly as well as Mike Zimmer and the Vikings probably would have hoped. The Titans' offense is good. They have an identity, and you're seeing around the league, a lot of teams are almost trying trying to style their play off of what Tennessee's doing. You get to see the Browns and Raiders themselves are both adopting this run first power offense. And with Mike Vrabel, it makes a lot of sense. His defense is already, I know they didn't look great today, but it's a very talented defense. Jadavian Clowney doing Jadavian Clowney things. He has 11 quarterback hurries already. He's not got to the quarterback yet. When he does, his team's going to only get more dangerous. We'll talk, I'm sure, here in a little bit after we recap these games. But Tennessee is not going to play this week. You get a guy like Derrick Henry a little bit of rest here on an early bye week. Hopefully that benefits everybody in the, involved. But Tennessee's here to stay. They're legitimate AFC South favorites. And even though the Texans are significantly better than their 0-3 record, Steven, I I feel really, really good about Titans holding on. It's just unfortunate for the t- Texans. They got screwed early with the scheduling. But that's how things work. It is what it is. But... We just talked about the Titans. We have to talk about now the next team that is going to be affected by the Titans and their COVID problems right now. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers also 3-0. We were really excited. It looked like a great matchup we had on Sunday this after or this next Sunday afternoon. But the COVID's gonna keep it away. Looks like we're gonna be seeing this in a, probably about a month or so, the way the rescheduling is working. Hopefully both these teams, and they should both be still very firmly in the playoff chase. So it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of excitement to see. But, Steven, Steelers beat those Texans we were just talking about to push them to 0-3. Do you think the Steelers are AFC North favorites right now with the, the Baltimore loss? 
Or are you going to pump the brakes and say, hey, you know what? We need to still see a little bit more from the Steelers team. I believe that we do need to see a lot more for the Steelers team. How often do we talk about the Steelers team love playing to the competition you know, of the opponents that they're hosting or that they're playing? Texans, basically the same thing. Texans had the control of that whole game until the fourth quarter, essentially. I mean, Big Ben, solid game, 23 of 36 with 237 and a couple tutties to go with it. Deshaun Watson is struggling back there, but who does he have to help? I get it. He has Brandon Cooks. You got Will Fuller. Randall Cobb decided that he wanted to play some football for the first time in a couple years, but still, they don't. this offense is clearly missing DeAndre Hopkins. Makes me wonder what this team would look like with keeping DeAndre, maybe adding another piece, maybe bringing in a Rand- Randall Cobb while still on that low contract, but having him paired with a DeAndre. So I'm very interested. David Johnson is doing decent, but he's nothing. He's not doing anything crazy that makes it seem like that trade is okay. I think Pittsburgh right now. I I still give I still give the knock to Baltimore. They're not playing the Chiefs 16 weeks out of the year, so they're not going to go 0 and 16. I think the Steelers are going to bounce back. My goodness, did we just see Melvin Gordon get leveled as we're speaking? Oh, he's hurting too. He's grabbing his groin. Oh, that's what's going to happen when you try to hurdle in the fourth quarter of a game like this, bud. Should have stayed in San Diego. With- Someone who had a defense. San Diego, I love that we're still doing that. I, I will never be – give me – make it a respectable team enough to call Los Angeles. Maybe I will. But um, right now, I don't think the Steelers are going to be favorites. Don't worry about the Texans on their end. 0-3, they played the Steelers, which had a top-two defense. Then they played the Chiefs, and then they played the Ravens. So I think we need to calm it down. I'm still going to stick 10-6 and Texans. They're going to go 10-3 and over these next 13 games, and I'm still going to stick with that. Of course – you got Minnesota. They they've got somewhat of an easy schedule. They got Minnesota Jaguars back to back. Then you got the Titans. Then you have the Packers. Those are a big couple games. Feels like the beginning of their season. I still believe in the Texans. I think they could potentially squeak one out of Green Bay. That could be Green Bay's first loss. Had to look at their schedule again. I'm still high on the Texans. I'm still mediocrely high on the Steelers. But right now, I think that's still the Ravens division. Well, one, I want to ask you a question here. It's kind of fun, but I just looked. You have Derek Carr right now at 16th in the league, perfectly in the middle for passing yards. But who are the three players immediately behind him? Do you want to take a guess, Steven? Well, since you're asking like that, I'm going to throw Big Ben under there. Yep. Underneath him, Kyler Murray. Close. He was directly above Derek Carr. So only 10 yards more than Big Ben. So here you go. Behind Derek Carr, the next three, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. The big three, the guys that were worried going into the year about their age, their arms holding up, they're not where we typically would see them on the passing leaders list here at this stage of the season. All three are averaging, what, 777 is Big Ben's first three games. Tom Brady, two spots behind him at 753. They're all looking at about that like 220, 230 yards per game, Mark, which honestly we're not really used to seeing from these guys. And Maybe it's something to keep an eye on going forward. But at the end of the day, the Steelers are winning football games, Steven. And you have to – I mean, that's the name of the game here. And if they steal one against Baltimore, with how easy the AFC North's division is, why not? I can see the Steelers making a run and potentially getting that win, and albeit there won't be many fans, but get home field. I still think the Steelers are very dangerous. I'm, I've am i always been high on Big Ben. I've always been high on what they're doing, but I will never escape – the conversation that I have that they always want to play to the level of their competition. And it just, they win these gritty games. They should not be gritty games. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, I'm still high on them. But we're going to flip it over to the other team up in Pennsylvania. I think your favorite team, Walter, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) 
tied. <clears throat> Let me repeat that. The Philadelphia Eagles tied with the Cincinnati Bengals 23-23 to in Philadelphia. What does Doug Peterson decide to do? He decides to punt with 20 seconds left in overtime and give the Bengals the ball with the opportunity not to really score, but still. What the hell is going on in Philadelphia? Carson Wentz, 29-47, 225, a touchdown, two interceptions. Add another three sacks to him. That's 11 on the year on Carson Wentz. Surprisingly, that's eight between Washington. That's really between two games because the, the second game, they didn't allow any sacks. That's 11 in two games, essentially. Joe Burrow is looking decent, 31-44, 312, two touchdowns. Wally, what the hell is Doug Peterson doing in Philadelphia? Who's on the hot seat? How many people are on this hot seat? And how excited are you just to lay into these people right now? Well, first of all, Steven, I have to tell you, for the people at home, you can't see it. I can't smile more than this. My face hurts, and i got to tell you this. There's not a city in the country that deserves it more than this one. And I will also say this, Doug Peterson, we crowned him. I was part of it several years ago in that Super Bowl when he called that Philly special. It was, wow, this guy has nerve. This is something that we need to see in the NFL. Too many of these, what, conservative, let's punt at the 40-yard line. Let's punt on fourth and one. Too much of this old-school conservative. Football's changing. It needs to change. There's coaches that are better than that. We thought Doug Peterson was it. We were wrong, and that is great. He has so little confidence in Carson Wentz, in that offensive line, in that wide receiving core, that not only, oh, and in two parts, but not only did he not go for it on 4th and 12 at the end of the game, he punted it to the Bengals, to the bad Bengals, this pathetic Bengals team that has been terrible for several years. You want to talk about an offense that's struggling to have an identity, and Joe Burrow, by the way, is the man. I love him, but he's going to get killed in Cincinnati. Another eight sacks this weekend, not to mention a play where he got absolutely lit up away from the, the ball. to get It was a roughing the passer. The guy stood in there. He's the man. All that said, Doug Peterson had no problem with two minutes left in overtime to run the ball up the middle several times and, and settle for a 59-yard field goal. But what happens? A false start? Then all of a sudden, whoa, we can't trust our, our guy to go out there and kick a 64-yarder. Is that a long field goal? Absolutely. This is the same Elliott that hit a 61-yard field goal several years ago with like eight yards of clearance. If you're comfortable at 59, you go and send him out there, or at the very least, you go for it. Coward move. It fits the city. They earned it. They deserve it. They tie at 23. Yeah, you know what? People are arguing that it's a decent move. I can't get behind that. Steven, Herm Edwards said it, says it. What does he say, Steven? You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. What does this tell you in the locker room when you go back in there? Doug Peterson has no faith in your offense, and not only that, he has no faith in that defense to get a stop on one play. On one play where the Bengals have no timeouts if they miss the field goal, if they do not get this on fourth down, they have one play, one play, and he cannot put the defense out there. This is a joke. This team is a joke. They deserve everything they got coming to them. And to be honest, I think the Eagles are the third best team in the division. Yeah, Washington's a mess, but the whole division's a mess. Dallas, I think, is a clear favorite right now. I think Washington, Philly, I I mean – they're both right there neck and neck with each other. The Giants are really bad. They're not 
quite at this level. But the, the Eagles suck. They are terrible. Terrible, Steven. But maybe I'm, I'm a little overreacting. Do you want to make a case for Doug Peterson? Or are you completely on my side here and think he's a coward? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to not side with you after a play like that. You know, he, you have the balls to go for it in, in that Super Bowl run, the Philly special. You have the balls to go for it on that play, but you don't, you don't have the balls to go for it against the Bengals, who had arguably one of the worst defenses in NFL history last year. And they're really not on track to be doing that well this year. So I don't understand. But the, what sucks is I love Doug Peterson, the man that backed Brett Favre up, for about a decade in Green Bay. I saw him, I saw him play maybe maybe like 17 snaps of my lifetime. But, yeah, it's rough. It's a uh, it's a rough one out there, and there's really nothing you can do. But I don't have any confidence in Doug Peterson and, and Carson Wentz together anymore. But that's what you guys get when you put a statue of your current NFL quarterback and your current head coach right after a Super Bowl win. Well, Steven, I, I do want to uh, remind everybody, last year there was a Bengals fan that promised everybody that he was not coming down from his rooftop bar until the Bengals won again. It took months, but they got a win. If you're a Giants fan, is there anyone out there that's willing to sit on a rooftop bar and wait for this team to get a win this year, Steven? Because guess what? This team's worse than the Bengals last year were. They are injury depleted. Arguably the best back in the entire NFL is out. Torn ACL, he's done. And what happens for back-to-back weeks... The 49ers dominate a New York team on Meadowlands Field. Is this say more about how deep this 49ers team is, how much character this team has, and how great of a coach Kyle Shanahan is that they're able to do this with all the injuries back-to-back weeks? Or is this just a case of the New York teams basically aren't football teams, Steven? It's a mix between the New York, the New York football giants and the New York Jets are simply just not football teams. Uh, Kyle Shanahan should deserve all the credit in here. He is a great offensive mind, and it shows how great of a coach he is as long as you don't give him a lead. Well, obviously, the Giants, as long as you keep the Giants a lead, they're good. But, I mean, he's a he's a great coach. He, he will literally put anyone in there and make it work. He's making Nick Mullins look like an absolute stud. I mean, he had over 300 passing yards last week. I mean, no offense. He's making Jimmy Garoppolo look like a stud. Come on now. Come on now. They ha- they have a two to three head running monster and a great defense. Defense is depleted. Even their running game is a little bit depleted. They have a couple injuries on there. Jimmy G's out. George Kittle is out. Nick Mullins putting up 36 for his boys. I mean, that is outrageous. So I think it's a mixture of the Giants are the Giants and Jets are just a piss poor franchise, and Kyle Shanahan is a top three NFL coach right now. Hey, let's let's not knock Nick Mullins. This is also the absolute stud who went sixteen of twenty two for two sixty two and three touchdowns a few years ago at home. Let's ignore the fact that it was thirty four to three against the Raiders. That does not matter. Nick Mullins has proven he's been able to do it before. Let's give let's give the guy a little credit. Let's give the little guy a little credit here. I am giving him credit because he also gave Green Bay a run for their money. I think it was either last year or the year before on Monday Night Football, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a cakewalk." And man, it was way too. I'm pretty sure Mason Crosby had to win the game for us on a field goal. I'll definitely have to double check that, but I mean, my goodness, Kyle Shanahan is that man. But we're gonna talk about your man now, taking the L, first L of the season, week. Week three, that's got to be the longest time we've ever heard that, taking the first L in week three. 
The Raiders and the Patriots faced off this weekend with the Patriots just absolutely running all over your boys. Cam Newton didn't do anything impressive, 17 of 28 for 162, touchdown and a pick. But the Patriots, 250 yards of offense, 117 of that being led by Sony Michelle. But Rex Burkhead, he did do the damage. He's the one who got you two touchdowns. Hell, he even got you one in the air, so that's three total touchdowns. And he had about what? 108 yards total purpose. Derek Carr didn't look too bad, but it's very clear that you guys can't stop the run and no one can stop New England running. How dangerous is New England right now with this run game? Even Cam Newton didn't have that good of a game. They're still putting up 36 points. Is New England actually the real deal with Cam Newton here and with this running game? I'll start with the Patriots because I want to get to sad boy hours with the Raiders after. New England is the real deal. I don't want to say it, but I'm starting to buy into them being a Super Bowl contender, Steven. They have everything. They have an offense that last week, what did they ask them to do? Yeah, they fell short against the Seahawks. That's no, that's This is a regular season. That's really not a big deal. We can both agree on that. You you learn. You have an identity early. That was Cam's second start. It's his second freaking start with the New England Patriots, and he threw all over Seattle. So be it everyone's turning on Seattle. But the offense is very good. The running attack this weekend was absolutely insane. Sonny Michelle, nine carries, 117 yards, 13 yards a carry. Rex Burkhead, six carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns, 8.2 yards a carry. J.J. Taylor, I didn't know that guy was alive until Sunday. 11 carries, 43 yards, about four yards a carry. Oh, no. He didn't even fucking go for it. Oh, guys. Sorry. Quick quick. Uh, CBS basically jump in the, hey, let's, let's look at what's happening here. The Broncos are now 28 to 27 with five minutes left. And they just had a wide open fly route. And the guy, he just watched the ball carry right in front of him. Never even put his arms up. Carry half a yard in front of him. Didn't even put his arms out. Ah, okay. Well, if you guys didn't know, and I'm pretty sure you already mentioned it, Steven has money on the Broncos. So he's a a little bummed out here. But that's okay. They're going to rebound. They're going to rebound. But back to the Patriots. Back to the Patriots. This is a team that can beat you in many different ways. I know that they lost a lot of pieces this last year. But their defense is still loaded. Gilmore's having a really rough start to the year. You know it's still in there. He has it. I don't know if there's a team out there right now that could really com- like completely stop this Patriots offense. We're going to find a ton out this weekend. Talk about back-to-back awesome games the Chiefs get to have as like an NFL fan. You get to watch last week the Baltimore game, which, which was a little underwhelming, but more because of how talented the Chiefs are. Then you next week you get KC versus the Patriots. We'll dive into that in a little bit. As for the Raiders, yeah, Derek Carr looked good, decent stat line. But the story here is the top, the top ten rush defense. All of a sudden, can't stop the run. It makes you wonder uh, about them going forward. If it was just a were you more focused on the dual threat running quarterback aspect, or if there are a little bit of holes and a little bit of chinks in the armor, I think we'll find a lot out this weekend because what does buffalo do buffalo runs the ball well josh allen guess what another mobile quarterback and josh allen as much as i dog him he's having already a career year i know it's his third year he's going to keep improving but the guy looks very good and that's coming from me who just has shit on him non-stop on this for a month now we'll get to the raiders later don't panic they're banged up richie incognito out trent brown out henry ruggs out it's just a banged-up offense right now. 
They had a few rough calls go against them early in the game, and they fell behind. Very similar to Baltimore, where I just don't feel like the Raiders are a team that's built to come from behind. They're both run-first offenses that if you force them to pass, they're a lot less scary. It's important for them to avoid it. Is it right for me to feel comfortable right now because I'm telling myself the Patriots are a Super Bowl contender, Steven? Or do you think this was more telling that the Raiders aren't actually where we thought they were and it might more or less be they beat a Saints team that isn't who we thought they were? I think this is the battle of the same, like a very same caliber S team and New England just came out on top. I don't really see that. I, I am somewhat high on the Raiders. I have them barely making the playoff. I believe I have them in the last wild card spot, but I don't have them any crazy. I'm still not sold on the Patriots. I know that they're 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 putting up stats, but if you if you get an actual team that can stop the run against them and make Cam pass, I'm still not fully sold that Cam can lead a team with strictly his passing and not with his running. So I'm still interested about that. Catch me in November, then we can have, possibly have a different conversation about this. So I'm not really too sure. But what I'm also not really too sure of, what kind of team is the Cleveland Browns? The Browns leading on Nick Chubb to absolutely ball for him here the other day. Cleveland Browns sitting above 500 for the first time since 2014. Led by Mr. Nick Chubb here. 19 touches, 108 for two touchdowns. And you have Kareem Hunt going in there for 16 yards, 16 attempts for 46 yards. So has it becoming increasingly clear, Browns are now 2-1. and one. Baker's not having an outstandingly great year, but he's not he's not playing horrible. But is it ever so clear that the Browns are actually a running team? And this this could actually help Baker out with getting a contract. See, honestly, Steven, I've been a huge Baker backer since day one. Uh even while he was at Oklahoma, and I'm a diehard Buckeye fan, as you know. I've always loved this Moxie. I love what he does for teams around him that confidence it trickles into a locker room people love to play for a quarterback that is that confident yes he's made some poor decisions yes he is a little aggressive sometimes that said he has all the arm talent in the world to be a, a good quarterback in this league Kevin Stefanski has brought an identity to this Browns team that has been searching for an offensive identity for maybe a decade maybe two decades thank you Steven I appreciate that. It might be about two decades. And yeah, you know what? It's not sexy. We're we're so used to and and craving that high-power air raid offense nowadays. But what people don't realize is that these these things go in styles. What does Tennessee do right now? Tennessee almost rode Derrick Henry all the way to a Super Bowl last year on his back alone. You don't just have Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is a very capable back. And not only is he a very capable back, he's an outstanding wide re- or a receiving running back. The guy, he's effectively a, he's what Le'Veon Bell wanted to be a few years ago. The Browns run with two tight ends all the time, and they have very talented tight ends. Austin Hooper, David Njoku. They're, I know Njoku's banged up right now, but they have the identity in place. They're going to be a tough out because simply they shorten games. If they can avoid turning the ball over, Baker in this Browns offense is going to be very capable to win games. We've talked about it before, Steven, but I can't emphasize it enough. Baker Mayfield has never had consistency at the coach head coaching position in the NFL. 
He's finally got a little bit of stability. And yeah, it's hard to learn multiple systems back-to-back years. Sometimes you're going to have mistakes. Sometimes it's going to look ugly. Do not panic. You finally have a guy that has arm talent. You haven't had it for years. I mean, we're going back to freaking Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. You guys need to be fired up. This is a Browns team that for the first time since 2014 is over 500. Are these Super Bowl contenders? No, they're not there. But don't panic yet. The defense is going to get better as the year goes on. This offense should get better as the year goes on. I still believe this Browns team is going to be the seventh team in the playoff. Are you as high on them? Or are you kind of pumping the brakes a little bit where you're like, hey, you know what? They beat up on a couple not very good teams in the Bengals and the Washington football team. See, it's so hard for me to push for the Browns to be in a playoff position because the the AFC North, first off, is going to be completely stacked. So you have at least the top two teams coming out of there. The AFC East is interesting. The AFC South is interesting. I want to push for the Browns to make it, but this year I just do not feel like that's actually what is going to happen. But don't don't hate on me. I'm still gonna root for the Browns. I'm still rooting for them. I hope I'm hoping I'm wrong for all my Brownies fans that do listen to us. But right now, I think Kevin Stefanski will get it together. Slow start like he's always had in Minnesota. They've had a nice couple wins to string together. They're the rest of their schedule is gonna be a little bit harder. So we're, this is really gonna determine what type of team that they want to be. But right now, I do not think that they are a playoff caliber team. Okay, Steven, that's fair enough. And I think most Browns fans would agree with you. They're not quite where they want to be yet, but there's a lot to be excited for. You want to talk about being excited for, let's transfer over to another 2008 quarterback that got drafted in the first round. Your guy, not mine, Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. Steven, the Bills tried as hard as they could to blow a 28-3 lead, pull their own Atlanta Falcons, who we will get to, in their own blown leads. Was this a testament to you about how gritty this Rams team is that they were able to come back? Or is this a little bit more of showing us that the Bills are not the same Buffalo Bills we're used to? Had a Buffalo Bills team blown a 25-point lead the last few years, they're rolling over, Steven. They're not going to hold or come back. Yeah, they got a little help with the DPI. But what? Did, which team did this game tell you more about? I think the Buffalo Bills. I don't think this game told me anything outside of what we know for the Los Angeles Rams. We know that they're offensively, they're extremely potent behind Sean McVay's brain up there, but I'm the Rams have completely flipped my script. I was, I was expecting the Rams to be somewhat of a dumpster fire. Sean McVay on the hot seat, but Sean McVay is just showing why he has a position as a head coach, this young in the league. It was great to see them come back. Honestly, I was expecting it. I think this speaks more of the Bills. How many times would you see a Bills team roll over like this, giving up a 18-point halftime lead like this? But they they stayed resilient. They pushed through right behind my boy, my guy, Josh Allen, who I have been so high on. <laughs> Go to hell. That's right, buddy. I'm not really I'm not really right too often with you on these. I'll, I will give you that. But this one, I have, I have. A1 since day one, and you've been all against me, and now I finally get to rub it in your fucking fat, cute, stupid face, Wally, and I cannot wait. Josh Allen dropping 311 yards, four tutties, 24 of 33 completions, 128.9 rating. This man is coming out the ball. I'm still... 
I'm not saying drop everything right now. Fuck Pat Mahomes. Get Josh Allen on your team. I'm not saying that. But Josh Allen is a force to be reckoned with as a franchise quarterback in Buffalo. And I'm so excited. Mixed with the running game that they have, the running game that Josh Allen has, as well as his development within the passing game. It still has a lot of kinks to work out. But outside of Patrick Mahomes, this dude may have the strongest arm long ball in the NFL right now. This dude can absolutely sling it, and he's just flying under the radar. So good for the Bills. Good for the Rams. The Rams are going to be perfectly fine. Like I said, they're, they are they are surprising to at least me. Shout out to a couple people that I know that gave the Rams picks. I'm not going to say who because I do not like shouting people out. I don't want to admit when I'm wrong and when other people are right. Why would I do it on my own podcast? So I think the Bills are the real deal. I'm sticking with them as the NFC, sorry, AFC East Championship. So I'm an NFC kid. I can't get out of this. So I'm going to stick with them. But let's go over to the team that I hate. This is why I'm making Wally talk about it because there's no reason for me to personally talk about it. But the Atlanta Falcons, surprise, blew another fucking lead in the fourth quarter. Another three touchdowns by an opposing quarterback. I'm sorry. This is the second time this year that the Chicago Bears have scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come back first against Detroit in week one. Now it gets Atlanta in week two. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. Trubisky, Trubitsky, I should say, 13 of 22, 128, touchdown and a pick. He was benched, I believe, in the second quarter, late second quarter, early third. Nick Foles, big dick Nick, or as we say here in the PC, BDN. He came in 16 of 29, a buck 88, three touchdowns, his first throw. Within the first three throws, he throws an interception when he comes in. But my God, Wally, how much of an absolute dumpster fire is Atlanta? I'll get it out of the way. I've been high in Atlanta. I have them in 11 and 5. No way in hell do I have them going 11 and 2 for the remainder of the games. I will stick on my Houston pick going 10 and 3, but I will not stick with this Atlanta. Falcons team and Chicago finally dangerous in the NFC North. Wow, the Bears. Let's talk about them. Mitchell Trubisky, who I've jokingly given Stephen a hard time about being very high on. It wasn't exactly like he, the guy was doing like very poorly. It, this felt more like they were trying to go for a spark. Guess what? They got that spark. Nick Foles. Came in after Trubisky. Yeah, Trubisky went 13 of 22, 128 yards, touchdown and a pick. Not a very good yards per attempt average. And basically everything was underneath. Nick's going to be able to open up downfield. But Trubisky, he had the one rush for 45 yards. He gave a spark to the offense. But the difference was they were down, what, 16 in the second half against an Atlanta Falcons team that simply put, you should not be down 10-2. So what do they do? They flip it over. They bring in Big Dick Nick. And what's he do? He brings him back. He throws three touchdowns. Very easily could have been four. That pick that, uh, if people haven't seen, it was a joint ball where it was kind of a judgment call on the officials' part. I, I agree. I think they got it right. It was an interception. That said, this Bears team is different with Nick Foles. They're better with Nick Foles. They're probably a playoff team with this makeup with Nick Foles. But you asked me if they're a threat in the NFC North. Absolutely not. The Packers have, they won this division on week one for me. 
I thought that that win against Minnesota, who I had picked uh, to win the division, hand up, that's on me. Not a great idea. But we're three weeks later. The Packers, they're 3-0, and and we're talking about Super Bowl contenders. We see Bears 3-0, and and we're still throwing the fraud word out, Steven. I mean, you beat Detroit, like you said, coming back very late, and credit to Mitchell Trubisky for doing that. Good, that that's great, but the, the Lions are not a very the good Lions. team. Then they struggle against what is, for most of the game, a Saquon Barkley-less Giants team at Soldier Field. They beat them narrowly. So this is one of those teams where I think that you're just going to be annoyed with for most of the year because they're going to be in a lot of games. They're just not really that good. I mean, they entered this fourth quarter this week down tw- or what? Down 26 to 10, and they outscored the Falcons 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter. That is insane. Man, dude, I what do you tell a Falcons fan right now? What do you tell the city of Atlanta? Turn on TBS, you got the Braves. That's all I can do. That's all I can do, man. That's all we can do. Shout out to my boy, Evan Desiker. He was over here giving me some goodies the other day, and I'm sorry, bud. How the hell does Dan Quinn not get fired? But from my boy, Evan Desiker, the one he is most pissed off about, what, Thomas Dietroff, is that how you pronounce his name? Who gives a shit? Guy looks like a joke. That man needs to be fired. That man has done nothing but be unsuccessful since he took the team over, and I believe in 07 or in 08. So there's no reason for him to continually be here, let alone Dan Quinn. I have backed Dan Quinn up. Hell, even the Fal- even the Falcons players have backed Dan Quinn up, but how much can you back them up after giving up between the Super Bowl and these first two weeks? This five-year window for Dan Quinn has been piss poor. Four-year window, I guess. And you just, you just cannot have it. Personally... I think it's time, Atlanta. I think it's time. Trade off Matt Ryan. Trade off Julio. Trade off Calvin Ridley. It's about that time. You're leaving Julio in the dust. Julio has been nothing. He is the epitome of the star player you want. He's at a wide receiver position. He does nothing but dominates the NFL. How many words out of his mouth do you hear? Fucking none. Contract it. There's, there's problems with the contract. Do you hear anything from him? No. I just want to get paid. All right, Julio, here's your fucking money because you are Julio Jones. Get Julio out of there. Get Matt Ryan out of there. Get him away from each other. Atlanta, just start on the rebuild. What the hell is the difference with having Matt Ryan go 3-13 and 13 for you every year than having some random rookie go 2-14 and 14 with you every year while you build it up? It's about that time. Trade them off. Go all in on Trevor Lawrence. Call it a day. Maybe you can keep Calvin Ridley in that instance. But other than that, Atlanta is an absolute dumpster fire. I'm not going to talk on the Chicago Bears, Adam, Alfonso, because I just simply don't want to. Until you guys come play the Packers, then we'll decide who the NFC North is. Hell of a comeback against Atlanta. Fucking hate that you guys are 3-0. and But when you guys play Green Bay, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Yeah, and I do feel bad for Dan Quinn because he is a good guy. Uh, that said, he, it's, just, it's time to move on. It just sucks. That the fact that... The fact that these Falcons players are just backing him up so much, especially Julio Jones, who I was mentioning, he was the one who stood up in front of the whole team and was like, absolutely not. We are playing for this man. This is who I want as my as our coach. So that speaks volumes of what the locker room thinks of him. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the locker room thinks of you when you're 0-3 and you should be 2-1. and Absolutely. And I, I don't know if you got to see the other day uh, – so be it, an unverified Twitter account 
leaked a report that apparently the Patriots were in discussions with Atlanta for potentially trying to res- or get Julio Jones in a potential trade before the deadline. Fuck no. And my personal hero in the industry, Benjamin Albright, he came out and said that there's no truth to it. That said, it's one of those things where when you start hearing smoke around these things, other teams start calling and they start wondering, hey, is, is Julio Jones actually available? If he is available, what do you want for him? Because here's the problem if you're the Falcons, and which is why trades in the NFL don't typically happen. Teams know that you're not going to be good for a while. They know that you're entering a rebuild. You're not going to get the fair price for Julio Jones because they know you're bent over a barrel. And they're the one that got you there. And they feel great. If there's a couple teams in the mix, yeah, maybe it gets run up a little bit. But, I mean, I, I imagine if I'm, a Hul- or if I'm a Julio fan or if I'm a Falcons fan, for that matter, you expect, hey, you know what, we need at least two ones for Julio Jones. That's probably not going to happen. And that sucks to hear. But the thing is, you already mentioned, he's getting paid. The guy's going to – he's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL – I, as an NFL fan, would love to see him get out. By no means do I want to see him go to New England, though. Hell no. I don't want him in New England, but the reason I'm so behind them trading Julio, it's been very fun watching Matt Ryan and Julio. Julio's just, a, he's just one of those talents. When Calvin Johnson stepped away, I was like, thank God I have Julio Jones, because that's really all I have. But watching what DeAndre Hopkins is doing with Arizona makes me wonder what it would be like if Julio Jones was traded away, had somewhat of a new life with someone else, and how much fun it would be, as long as it wasn't up in New England. Well, imagine, though, what that offense could look like. Bill Belichick getting Cam Newton, who has already arguably the best rushing attack overall in the league, and then you add Julio Jones to it? That's not even fair. And then uh, Julian... Julian... Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, then, he becomes even more valuable, too, because all of a sudden he's not getting number one wide receiver attention again, and he gets back to what he used to look like, potentially with that old offense with Brady. Could be banana lands. I think think if somehow Julio got to New England, Cam is going to be so happy because he finally has found a receiver that he cannot overthrow for once. Oh, Calvin Benjamin? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So... And we're going to stick here with Carolina, or in Carolina at least. No CMC, no problem. Carolina finally getting their first win of the, of the year, 21-16 against Los Angeles Chargers. Teddy Bridgewater, 22 of 28, 235 with a touchdown. Completion percentage is looking nice. Yardage, touchdown, eh. But Mike Davis, 13 touches, 46 yards. And he also added a uh, couple of receivers, or receiving, eight receptions, 45 yards and a tutty. Mike Davis, thank you for letting me pick you up on fantasy because you are helping me. But Carolina, this was a dumpster fire in itself, this game. But Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater putting on a decent game with no Christian McCaffrey. Do you think this team actually be a threat in that, maybe not in that division, but maybe for a, a wild card spot, dark horse, coming in here with Teddy Bridgewater actually not playing that bad this year? Teddy Bridgewater is exactly what I at least felt like he was going to be. I feel like a lot of us felt this way where he's just a responsible quarterback. He's got a very high football IQ, and he's not going to turn the ball over very much. He's going to make Carolina a very tough game to play no matter who it's against. That said, I don't necessarily think of them as a playoff team. They kind of give me that like 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight kind of vibe. They're going to be a tough out. They're a good team. Well, they're, they're a competitive team, I should say. There it is. 
The Chargers are kind of in a similar boat, though, with the Panthers. Where I, I'm not, This is why I'm not going to overreact to this game. This is kind of just a an ugly game. You're, you've seen it all over the season so far across the NFL. Teams are banged up and banged up a lot for this early in the season. If you have a healthy team, I mean, wow, celebrate it because it feels like no one else does. The Chargers are banged up, and Steven alluded to it. Thank God they let the team doctors like 15 feet away. They got themselves a restraining order from the quarterbacks there, especially from Justin Herbert. Chargers are not very good without their defense being fully healthy, but they were competitive. They should have honestly had a hook and ladder work at the end of the game. And who knows what we're saying about a Chargers team right now if they're 2-1 and one and their only loss all of a sudden was against the Chiefs after having a lead. So things could be changing. That's football. Monday morning quarterback. We do it all the time. But until I see the Chargers turn around and actually manage to, you know, win a game they shouldn't win, I'm not going to believe them. And that just seems like it's the permanent like plight of the Los Angeles Chargers. They just cannot win when you expect them to. Let's just segue real quick. You want to talk about games you're, you win that you're not supposed to. That's going to be every single game this year for the New York Jets. And the New York Jets, yeah, by the way, Steven is celebrating over here in the corner. The Broncos just won. The Broncos won and covered, so he's happy. He has a little more money in his pocket. But here's something that no one's surprised about. What's that mean, Steven? It means the Jets lost again. The Jets are 0-4 entering the day. They had 37 points. They put up a lot more tonight thanks to their defense getting a few timely turnovers against like the 84th string quarterback for the Denver Broncos. But here's not, a fun not fact. your boy Blake Bortles. Yeah, I know Blake Bortles should have started. Jets or the Broncos would have won by 40. But here's a fun stat that I think Steven will enjoy. The New York Jets entered today with 37 total points scored. The Green Bay Packers have scored 37 or more points in each of their three games so far. And the Packers have beat up on going into the year teams that we seemingly thought were at least going to be competitive NFL teams. The Jets are losing to everybody bad. <laughs> Steven, did you have any takeaway from this game? Like, do you think the Colts are any better? Or is it just like, man, dude, this Jets team needs to get, needs to get rid of Adam Gase. They need to just completely start from scratch again. Oh well, I'm I'm expecting Adam Gase to be fired while we're doing this podcast, while while we're recording this. By the time you hear this, it Adam is, Gase might be gone. It is 12:07 a.m. technically on October 2nd, 2020. Within the next half hour, or within at least maximum the next eight hours, this man is gone. So I can't wait. This is just this just shows how much of a shit team the Jets are. The Colts, good job. You're a professional team with. Arguably a top 10 to top 12 defense. You should be able to do this. But what's funny is Phillip Rivers, 17 of 21 for 217 and a touchdown. And he threw for 46 times in his first week matchup against the Jaguars. So obviously they're putting a little bit more balance in this offense. Not that you really need it against the Jets, but at the same time, this is a good confidence boost to kind of get the get the wheels going a little bit for this Colts offense. I was somewhat high on them because Phillip Rivers, my boy, NC State, wearing the hoodie as we speak. And I thought that he would actually be good with a great offensive line and a great defense. But it's seeming to be a mediocre 2-1 right now that the Colts are at. Well, great. I, I mean, sure, great defense. It's tough. I mean, yeah, they beat the Jets 36-7. to But, 
I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much that's the Colts off or defense and how much that is the Jets being terrible. All right, all right. You caught me on that. They're a good defense. They're 11th in the league, so like I said, top 10 to 12, and they're going to win you some games with their secondary. Phillip Rivers, good job. You're supporting your family of like 19 kids, so good job, Dad. You're doing it. Well, I just have to make a, a little comment here going back to what we were talking about the Jets. Does New York allow Adam Gase on the team jet? So we're going to move forward to <laughs> Seattle is continually continually letting Russ cook here. And, I mean, they just gave it to the Cowboys. No one was surprised that Seattle won, covered the spread five and a half. The over was an absolute lock. And no one's going to be able to mess with Seattle. Now, defensively, they are horrible. They've given up almost 1,500 yards defensively already within the first three games. So I don't know how much confidence I'm going to have in this team as a whole outside of Russell Wilson and that offense that they're producing. Dallas, not off to the start that they were looking for. Imagine this. Dallas is underachieving. Who in the fuck would ever would have picked that? So my question to you, Wally, how great do the Seahawks look? Are they your NFC West title favorites? And your Cowboys, that you're speaking so highly on earlier because how much you hate the Eagles, are they still going to be your NFC East favorites? Well, first of all, I, as much as I hate Eden Crow, I seem to do an awful lot of it when we do these. I wasn't like I was high on Seattle. I think I had Seattle at either ten and six or eleven and five going into the year, but I didn't think that they were going to be the NFC West favorites. I think they have to be now. I know San Francisco is two and one, but their two wins are against very bad teams. But they're doing what they're supposed to do. But they're so banged up. Seattle's defense is atrocious. But when you have Russell Wilson, guess what? He covers up mistakes. He's outstanding. He now, all of a sudden, because not only is Tyler Lockett still there, DK Metcalf is evolving in front of our eyes. Yeah, he had a stupid play where he, he, he got stripped at the goal line because he's being a 23, 24-year-old guy, being a little too cocky at the goal line. That's fine. He's going to learn. That's what happens in the NFL. That said, this Seahawks team is very good. I really, really, really like them to come out. I th- Dude, they feel like a 12-4 and team. As for the NFC least uh, out there, I... I think that the Cowboys are the favorite still. Yeah, they've looked bad defensively. Talk about a couple bad defenses going at it with the Cowboys and Seahawks, but woof. But the Cowboys' offense looks really good. We dog on McCarthy all the time, and for good reason. But I got to give him a little credit. The offense looks better than it did last year. Dak looks like he's he's more concise with his decision-making. The offense line's still elite. Zeke is still Zeke. The receivers are... Putting up numbers I didn't, I guess, expect going into the year. By me saying that they're my favorites, it doesn't mean I'm very, very high on them. Uh, it's more or less I've learned a lot about the division. I think the Cowboys are going to win it. At I mean, they, I really do think that eight wins might win that division. But at the very least, I, I'd put the Cowboys in that eight and eight, nine and seven, win the division realm. <laughs> I mean, I'm still holding that hope for Washington, Steven, as much as you hate me for it. Washington, my goodness. I mean, technically, after three weeks, they are the division First leader. place. Whatever, dude. Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. The Cowboys are just an absolute joke. As a Packers fan watching Mike McCarthy go there, I still have really no confidence because what you guys are complaining about the first three weeks is what I've been co- complaining about 
the past fucking decade with Mike McCarthy. So welcome to my world. But what's actually funny is that same Mike McCarthy led Green Bay two wins against Dallas. Dallas, you're an absolute joke. I love watching you guys put yourselves on this pedestal. Unrealistic expectations, which you think are realistic. They, they seem realistic at the time. But Captain Hindsight is coming into play saying, sorry, bud. Not this year, yet again, not going to happen for you. I'm sorry. I'm going to stick with, I think the Seahawks are going to do well. I don't think they are a Super Bowl contender because how piss poor that defense is. I have no confidence in that defense. I have no confidence that Russell Wilson can, I have confidence that he can put up 45 to 50 a night, but not every single game he will not be able to do that. So that's how I stand with them. I think the biggest thing with the Seahawks is purely going to be if they do manage to get home field through winning the NFC West, how much does that mean at that point? We don't know what January is going to look like. We don't know how coronavirus is going to affect the NFL. Who knows? Maybe they have a few more people in there. Either way, Seattle's not an easy place to play. The weather can be tough in that time of year. But as a Pack fan, of course I understand what you're saying. I'd much rather play them in land, but you guys are used to those conditions. However, let's talk about another Super Bowl contender. People before the season, we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady being basically shoe-ins for at least a playoff spot. They looked a little rough in week one against New Orleans, but yeah, they rebounded. Guess what? That's going to happen with Tom Brady. Tom Brady has a culture-changing persona in his own right. They dominate Denver. They beat him 28-10. to 10. Yeah, Denver's banged up. But they finally got to see Gronkowski get a little bit involved. He, he's finally getting targeted. But guess what? He doesn't give a shit about that. He talked last week about, oh, wow, catching any passes? I didn't expect to catch any here. I'm a blocking tight end. I love that. I think that's so cool to hear a guy like him say that. Like, easy first ballot Hall of Famer. Known for what he does with the ball in his hand. What What's he do? He doesn't give a shit. He's like, I just want another ring. I love to play football. And even more, it's so Gronkowski. He just wants to freaking hit people, Steven. My question for you is, how important were these last two wins for the Bucs? Do we think that they now can kind of put it in a relaxation mode where they can just kind of figure out their identity, kind of get accustomed to the playbook again, and just sneak into the playoffs? Because that NFC South is looking a lot less scary than we thought it was going into the year yeah absolutely i think these are actually the games that they needed very very badly i mean these are the two games that get you back on track you you beat it or you lose to a new orleans team get beat by new orleans team early on in the season next thing you know new orleans does not look like the team that you are expecting them to look like michael thomas is out next thing you know they've they've lost two straight the buccaneers have won two straight and you know, quite frankly, those are the games that they that they need, like I said before. Those are the games. This is the first game. I cannot believe I'm saying this. This is the first game that Tom Brady has not thrown an interception for the first time all season. I think that they're getting they're gonna finally get it going. They're gonna get Gronk into the offense a little bit. They're gonna have their two headed somewhat running monster into it. And I'm really not too worried. I think this is gonna kinda get the ball rolling for him and watch out. I I predicted that Tampa Bay was gonna lose to New Orleans and I think that they're going to go on a huge roll here and this these two games are are what's going to start that role and these are the two games that they need as a perennial potential super bowl contender yeah and the defense is obviously not missed a beat from last year i i was low going into this uh for the bucks 
I didn't expect Breeze to be the quarterback to be showing his age before Tom Brady, and I'll own that. That said, I do need to see it a little bit more from this Tampa Bay team. I mean, we are three weeks in. Our job is to truly overreact every single week, and I'm really good at overreacting. They, they've they've impressed me. They they have definitely impressed me. Bruce Arians, is, his offense is working, as much as I hate to say it. Brady's looking a lot more Brady-ish this last week. Nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, the Denver defense isn't what it used to be. But going into mile high and scoring 28 points is still a good feat and an accomplishment. But also for this offense, something to be excited for. Mike Evans only had two catches on Sunday, Steven. He had two catches for two yards, but he had two touchdowns. That's kind of what this offense is. There's weapons all over the field. You do not need Mike Evans to do what Mike Evans is used to doing. And Mike Evans is very much a top five wide receiver in the NFL right now. A team that's this stacked that can just say, you know what? We don't have to worry about getting Mike Evans a ball. That is such a luxury. And Bruce Arians has already made it known with the Gronk uh, receptions thing and the lack of targets through the first couple weeks. He doesn't give a fuck who's getting the ball. It's all a matter of who is going to help us win that day. It just so happened this last week, Gronk was more helpful than Mike Evans. And they and they prove that they have a plethora of people that can beat you. They had Leonard Fournette going off the week before. They have a plethora of wide receivers that, you know, Scotty Miller, 3 for 83. Chris Godwin, 5 for 64. OJ, 3 for 49. These are nothing special here, but the list goes on. There's even an, another four people on here that have receptions from Tom Brady, so they obviously know how to spread it. But my next question for you, Wally. The Lions absolutely stunned the Cardinals here the other night. But they go out to Arizona, who people are very high on starting 2-0, and they go out and get a victory here. The Lions, are they proving to us that the Cardinals really are not that real, or was this just a bad game on Arizona's part? See, and you guys have already heard for a couple weeks that I was low on Arizona. So this is going to come as a surprise to many of you. I want to panic if I'm Arizona. This felt like an off game for them. It's more or less to me. I think Detroit is a lot better than at least I thought they were. I, I overreacted to the the Bears' uh, blown lead loss. They should be 2-1 and one right now. They're a competitive team. They have weapons. Who knew AP? I know the stat line's not sexy, but who knew he still had this in him? He had 22 carries on this last Sunday for 75 yards. Yeah, it's a modest 3.4 yards carry. But he's getting the ball 22 times at his age. That doesn't happen. Scratch that, Frank Gore. We'll ignore that. But still, it doesn't happen. This is very unprecedented, especially for a guy like him who has already solidified himself as one of the best running backs in the history of the NFL. The Lions are not a bad team. They're going to be in that 7-9 to 9-7 range at the end of the year. Get I feel like the Lions are probably pretty used to that in the Stafford era. I think we've seen more of the same. But they're good for one of these games a year. I'm not going to panic on what Kyler Murray did. Yeah, he threw three picks. It was not his best day. He's still developing as a passer. But the fact that he is as mobile as he is, he's that much of a threat. I'm very excited for this Cardinals team. I Each week, like even this last game with the three interceptions, I'm getting more and more excited about the Arizona Cardinals potentially making the postseason. And who knows? Maybe they make a run. Maybe they win a game or two. I don't think that they're... They're no way near a Super Bowl threat, and I don't think they win the NFC West, but I for sure can see them winning a wild card position. To me, this is the best Arizona Cardinals team since that Kurt Warner team beat 
the Green Bay Packers in Arizona in that game where if the over was $100 million, it probably hit the over. I don't remember the score. Steven, it's probably seated in your mind. But let's go to the Packers. The Super Bowl contender Packers, if I'm being honest myself. Steven, please, let's hear your excitement. I don't get to be 3-0. and We talked about being happy together this week. I'm sorry I didn't hold up my end of the stick. But the Packers certainly did. 37 points again against this New Orleans Saints team. Maybe they're not as good as we thought. Are you going to give your Packers a little bit more credit? Or do you think that this Saints team isn't exactly a Super Bowl contender after all? Without Mike, without Michael Thomas, the Saints obviously offensively do not look the same. They still put up 30 points against Green Bay's defense, so I'm not looking too I'm not gonna talk too highly on Green Bay's defense, but their offense is finally looking in that form that we had in the early 2010s where Aaron Rodgers will just win you every game and you can just have a lackluster defense. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers having a decent game. 21 of 32, 283 with three touchdowns yet to throw an interception. No surprise there. Aaron Jones having a decent game, 16 touches for 69 yards with a 4.3 average and a tidy to really seal the game here for us. Now, I think Green Bay is looking great right now. Their offense is on a historic start to the season but right now a depleted New Orleans Saints team I would rather have caught this W with Mike Thomas in that lineup but at the same time is Mike Thomas going to change the outcome of this game if he's in the lineup absolutely I think that he does I don't think that there's an answer for Mike Thomas defensively for Green Bay but Green Bay is looking good 3-0 2-0 away 2-0 on the road but the biggest thing is that they're 2-0 in the division so that's that's a great thing. They're off they're off to a great start. Chicago's three and as well. But I mean Green Bay's is playing Green Bay ball. Whatever Matt LaFleur's type of offense is, is Aaron and the boys are just excelling at it right now. And even my boy Alan Lazard, six receptions for a buck forty six and a touchdown, he's out indefinitely because of a core strain that he has to get surgery on. So that's unfortunate. But Green Bay is looking good right now. I think that they all of the components to go into the NFC Championship game and just fucking ripping my heart out like they've done the past three NFC Championship games. I I think that they can get there and then just not be competitive as they have the past three. So I think I could potentially see this being... It's either going to be Green Bay and Tampa Bay or Seattle and Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay going. Well, three points, Steven. You guys scored three points against San Francisco in the NFC title game last year. There's no way that you guys can do that again, right? Not against San Francisco. The way that they're looking, I'm I'm cool with that. But as long as we're not playing a San Francisco-led team with that type of defense, then I don't think that we're going to have that problem. If we're going to have a running first type offense that we're facing defensively for Green Bay, we're absolutely fucked. We clearly, Green Bay can clearly still not stop the run, and they can barely stop the receiving. I mean, Alvin Kamara, yeah, he had six touches for 58 yards out of the backfield, a modest 9.7, but this man had 139 receiving yards with 13 touches. Well, don't forget, too, that, that what, or the, one of the receptions he had was a 49-yard reception touchdown. I mean, yeah, the, it, it's clearly a focus for this Saints offense right now is to have Kamara run the offense while Michael Thomas is out. Drew Brees' stat line looks really good. It looks like old school, old school Drew Brees, 29 of 36 for 288 
three touchdowns, no picks. That looks all good, but when you consider that Kamara pass traveled through the air five yards, it looks a little bit more of the, "Ah, I wonder what's going on with this Drew Brees offense with the Saints. Like, Is it much there? Yeah, here's the deal. These are two Super Bowl contenders still. They both are. They're both going to be in the playoffs. There's a very good chance we see this exact same matchup here in about four months. And if that happens with Michael Thomas, I mean, it's going to be a really good game. These two teams are evenly matched. Packers defense leaves a little bit to be desired. Saints offense isn't what it used to be. But... I mean, both of these teams do have Super Bowl aspirations and a lot to be hopeful for. And I hope that Green Bay gets to meet New Orleans in the playoffs. Because you know what that means? Green Bay's got the tiebreaker, which means it's going to be in Lambeau. Drew Brees cannot throw a football below 50 degrees. So I'm not going to be worried about that. Give me that matchup all day at Lambeau. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Middle of January, Drew Brees. What the hell's going on out here? Drew Brees, you are absolutely fucked when you come up there but no one is more fucked than the f-word ravens frauds 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 potentially they they can be any single team in the nfl except except the kansas city chiefs which lamar has coined them as their kryptonite what are your thoughts about the ravens they obviously cannot beat the chiefs are you are you still I'm still going to be high on the Ravens riding the NFC North or the AFC North excuse me as the champions. But hey, do you see anyone stopping these Chiefs and B if anyone could stop them could the Ravens finally get over that hump and do it this year? Well, multiple things on this. First of all, you know, Lamar, I get it. If the Chiefs are your kryptonite, then we're all supermen because the Chiefs are everybody's kryptonite. That team is a wagon. They are doing things that we've never seen before. Patrick Mahomes, it, I, I'm pretty sure everybody on the 52-man roster caught a touchdown pass on Monday. At least everybody caught a pass, it felt like. I mean, you had left tackles catching touchdown passes. It's just, it's not fair. They have a Hall of Fame head coach, one of the best ever. They have the fastest re- receiving duo in the NFL. They have arguably a top, not arguably, they have a top three tight end in the entire NFL. They have an outstanding rookie back in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But here's the thing. They might have the most talented off or a quarterback. They might have the most talented quarterback in the history of football. He's 25, folks. He is not very old. If you think that it's bad now, he's not in his prime yet. This is horseshit. This sucks. Yeah, the Ravens could still be good. I'm not worried about them because no one should be. The Chiefs are basically making a like a path to just win Super Bowl after Super Bowl. They're re-signing all these mega guys. Mahomes, Kelsey, Clark. They're just coming left and right. Everyone wants to play for a winner. And they're going to keep playing for winners. Especially with Andy Reid and especially with Patrick Mahomes there. To the Ravens. They're still the AFC North favorite to me. I made a case for Pittsburgh earlier. It's the Ravens. My biggest issue for them is that they struggle when they fall behind. And they struggle playing teams multiple times in a year. When teams get to figure out how they play, 
you are at least a little acclimated. It takes a little bit of time, but you can beat them. I I just I don't know how the the Ravens can beat them. The only recipe for me is that they get the ball first and score. They never trail. Because if they fall behind until I see them come back, it's just impossible for me to believe that they can do it. I, I just I just hate to say it. The Chiefs to me, do I think they will go 16-0? Probably not. But find me a game on that schedule that's a loss. I can't do it. There's not a team in the NFL right now that I'm going to pick any Sunday to beat the Chiefs. This is not going to happen. Steven, find me a loss. No, Chiefs 16-0, Super Bowl champs, back-to-back years. Pat Mahomes, regular season MVP, as well as the Super Bowl MVP. It sounds funny. It sounds like you're joking, but it could happen. It's a joke. It's going to happen, unfortunately. But what is finally going to happen, which the reason we're all here, the reason people deal with both of us is for this pad, or for this next 10 to 15 minutes. That's right. We got our picks here. Last week, you know, your boy went six and two again. I'll go over my I'll go over my uh, my bets here very very quickly here for us. So mine's pretty my mine's pretty cut and dry. Miami plus three at Jacksonville money. Ten- Tennessee at Minnesota minus two and a half, which we both thought were locks. Lost that one, bud. I'm very sorry. Atlanta minus three. I'm sorry I led you down that rabbit hole. Man, it looks good for about. Three fourths of the game, then it happened. But Tampa Bay minus six at Denver, money. Dallas at Seattle, over fifty six, money. Green Bay at New Orleans, Green Bay plus three and the over fifty two and a half, both money. Kansas City plus three and a half at Baltimore. Jesus Christ, that was that was the fucking lock of the week. That was the lock of the week. So we're finally. Meanwhile, you're gonna trade some punches here about the games that we are going to decide to pick this week. So, Wally, I'll let you lead it off here with your first game of the week, my guy. All right, Steven, I appreciate that. Let's let's rebound. We're going to have another big week here on uh, our picks here. But let's start real quick with New Orleans traveling to Detroit. I not only like New Orleans to win this game in a rebound, I think they're going to cover. Detroit had a big emotional win. I think they're going to be a letdown, and I think the Saints need this so much more that I think that you might even see them win, I don't know, 7 to 10 points. Steven, what do you think? Do you have the Lions... Or do you have the Saints winning on the road at Ford Field? I'm going to go with the Saints. Minus four on this one. I think this is going to be the game that they're finally going to get their head out of their asses. They realize that this could be the make-or-break game to continue their momentum for the season if they if they do it. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the Saints minus four, and I'm also going to take the over wow. of 54 points in that game. So mark me down for Saints minus four. Over 54. We're going to pop to the next game here. We got your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. The spread is seven. Tampa Bay minus seven. Odds are plus 100. I'm taking Tampa Bay minus seven all day. I feel like this is an absolute lock for us. Don't take my word for that. I feel like when we say absolute lock, it does not end up being that. But I feel like this seven to... The visiting West Coast Los Angeles Chargers, I feel like this is going to be an easy win for them. Maybe this is a trap game again because I completely agree with you. I think that the Bucks win, and I think they win big. This is like a 31-14 to 14 kind of win. They're Again, the West Coast teams don't travel well going east. There's no fans in the, fans in the stands. You're probably going to see a Chargers team kind of a little slow, a little lackadaisical. I know they just lost. 
Herbert's got a little film on him now. I'm going to give Arians and uh, the Bucks a little credit. So I will go with them here uh, to cover and win money line. Now, for a lot of games that people are caring about here in, in central Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals are hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. As it sits right now, it's minus three, the exact same that it opens at. Because guess what? Nobody wants to bet this game, Steven. Nobody gives a shit about who wins this game unless you're from Jacksonville, unless you're from Cincinnati, or unless you're a Joey Burrow fan club member like myself. The Bengals win. They cover three. And Joey Burrow finally gets to have another victory cigar since his last one he had in the national championship game. I'm staying away from the spread. I'm going strictly over 49 on this game because I think that both of these offenses can produce against the shitty defenses that are tied to their team. So over 49, I think, is great. Gardner Minshew can obviously ball. Joey Burrow has shown that he can do some great stuff as a rookie here so far. Still looking for that first win. How many times can a rookie say that he got a tie before he's got his first win? Probably not that many. And I'm not confident that... I'm more confident that he's going to tie this game than that they are actually going to win it. That's why I'm staying away from the spread. I'm going over 49 for this Jacksonville Jaguars-Cincinnati Bengals game, and I'm sticking with it. And we're going to travel a little bit to the Dirty South. The Houston Texans are hosting Minnesota Vikings team that just came off a very heartbreaking loss. The spread is 3.5 on this. And I'm going to ride with the Texans finally getting their first win of the year. This is what's going to be so hard. I told you last week, week three and four are the weirdest weeks in football. We have two 0-3 teams that are so, so hungry to finally get their first win. Both these teams were sniffing a W last week, and they both fourth quarter blew it. But I think I'm going to have to go to Houston minus three and a half in this game strictly because of the home field advantage. Lack thereof, I guess you can say. But sleeping at your in your bed in Houston is way better than sleeping in a hotel bed in Houston that Minnesota is going to be doing. Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to tear up the secondary like everyone else has torn up the secondary. I have Texans minus three and a half at home. You're right. This is one of the trickier games of the entire slate to, to pick just because both of these teams are desperate coming in. With that said, what are you going to do in that situation? I'm going to take the team that's more talented, and that is Houston. You're right. Houston is going to win this game. They're going to win minus four. Feels like a must win. The Vikings have a lot tougher trip to get back into playoff contention. We alluded to it earlier. The Texans have a little bit of a lull here. They get a little bit of a break back in their schedule. I could truly see them being 3-3 three and three again here in a couple weeks. And all of a sudden, a 3-3 three and three Texans team, so much more dangerous. Of course, 0-3 it's a big stink, but when you have a schedule like they've had, I just can't be super, super low on them. So I am going to pick them. I think they're going to cover as well. Let's move on. The Seahawks travel to Miami. It opened at minus 6.5. It's still at minus 6.5. It feels like a trap, Steven. I don't know what I'm looking wrong. I feel like, I, like I've been drinking beer with you here tonight. But, wow, if I just slipped and had a 30-pack without me knowing it, or are the Seahawks going to cover minus 6.5 easily? Because I have the Hawks minus 6.5 easy. All fucking day. Like like you were saying, we've been talking about this. Have we been missing something? Did Russell Wilson just get a leg amputated without us knowing? Because 
even the, if he had both the legs amputated, they'd probably bump it down to minus five and a half for the Seahawks. That's how fucking horrible the Dolphins are. But yeah, this is so. It just epitomizes how much disrespect not only does Russ get, but the Seahawks get in general. I think that they are going to light up the Dolphins. I think they're going to win by 20. They're going to win by 20 plus. I know I just said, don't listen to us when we say the lock of the week, but this has this has to be the lock of the week. I just I do not understand how it can physically be wrong right now. I, I just it is an offense that is scoring like crazy rate right now. Every ball that goes more than 20 yards downfield, I convince myself it's a locket or a DK Metcalf touchdown. <laughs> and that's going to happen on Sunday. Steve and I both hammer in Seattle. We both are hammering that spread. Steven, we're just going to stay here. Might as well. Cleveland is traveling to Dallas. I I don't want to be this guy. I really try to stand up for the Browns as much as I can because I, I feel like they get disrespected. This feels kind of like a Dallas team that's going to come in knowing that they have. Not that they have to because they do play in a joke of a division. But they're going to come in very hungry to get another win here. I think they're a, I think they are a better team than the Browns. I do. I think they're a better team than the Browns. So I do think Dallas will win. I also think they cover. I think they're going to move the ball well and I think they're going to force Baker Mayfield and the Browns to pass, get a little bit out of this new identity they have. So I think I'm going to have to go with the boys here, Steven. Yeah, unfortunately I'm going to have to go with the Cowgirls here. Actually, you know what? I take that back. You know what? For this one, it's very hard to pick because I don't really know. I don't trust Cleveland. I obviously do not trust Dallas. But what I am going to trust on this particular game, I know it's a little bit high, the 56, but I'm going to actually take that under. I'm taking under 56. I can can see this being slyly a really ugly defensive game for some reason where these two teams are obviously way better offensively, but for some reason the defense decides that they want to play. What's coming in – What's what's making me make this decision is what I was saying earlier. Week four and week three are always the weirdest weeks, and this is one of those games that it's so weird. Cleveland, I think, could potentially cover this spread. I would I would sprinkle a little bit on this, but what I'm telling you to do is take the under of 56 on this game right now, and that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm sticking with. Next game. Arizona is visiting the Carolina Panthers, where they're only a three-point favorite on the road to Carolina. This is a really interesting game. The over and under is 51 and a half. That is what's sticking out to me the most. Carolina's defense is piss poor. Arizona's defense is really not that great either. Carolina's been giving up a lot outside of this Chargers game. They're giving up a lot of points. I can see this game going over. And they, uh, I swear, Cardinals and Carolina play every single year, and it's always a close game, regardless of what it is. So I'm actually, I'm just going to take the Cardinals minus three, because I think worst case scenario, Cardinals are going to push. Best case scenario, Cardinals win by four, winning the money. Wally, please back me up on this. I would love to, man. I just don't know if I have it in me. Like, Arizona is going to win this game. But you're right, this is going to be a really good game. It's going to be a really close game. I think that a Teddy Bridgewater Panthers team, it just feels like they're going to play every game tight. You want to talk about how the Steelers play down to everybody they play? It feels like this Panthers team has the capability of playing up to whoever they play. They're going to give teams fits. People are going to overlook them, and that's why they're going to be a bitch to bet. 
but because I am a degenerate and I do want to bet this game because I want to bet every game, I, oh, most of my books unfortunately have it minus three and a half instead of Stevens minus three. Yeah, that's tough. It is tough for me, but I do agree with Steven. I think that Arizona is going to win, and I think that I think that they're going to win by enough. This this feels to me more of that like stupid score, like 26 to 21 kind of a game, 27-21. Just a weird game, but I, I think I'm going to side with the team that I believe has a more dynamic quarterback, a quarterback that makes more plays. Bridgewater is going to keep you in games, but I don't think he's going to win you too many. And that's not a bash on him. I mean, I just really like this Arizona Cardinals team out of nowhere. After hating them for the last few weeks, I'm buying in. I am big time in on the Arizona Cardinals, so I will agree with Steven. I'm going to take them here. Now let's move on. Chicago. They are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. I can't help it. I kind of feel like this Bears team, they got a little fun magic right now to them, Steven. I know you don't like to hear that. I think they're going to go 4-0 to start the year. I know they're two-and-a-half-point dogs. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. That soldier field, that dirt, basically, they play on in front of those decrepit, falling-down stands, joke of a stadium. I think they go to 4-0. They fit the city of Chicago. They're just a gross team that finds a way. And I think... At least for a little bit, you're going to have a little bit of a stall with Vegas where they're not really sure what to do with this Bears team. Neither one of these teams are great. I just think that there's a little bit more oomph. There's a little bit something. There's a moxie. There's a little bit like, uh, there's. I don't know what to call it, Steven. There's something about this Bears team. They're finding ways to win. I know you don't like it. They're not going to do anything special. But I think this is the kind of game that you can win a little money back in the Bears but I also feel like this is just a classic Bears game. Let's get let's get a quarterback in there. We're gonna be so confident, and then they just absolutely <laughs> choke. Like I just I can just see Chicago's offensive line isn't anything to take home about. So I can see Nick Foles getting hurt in this game, and Matt Nagy's just pulling one of those. <sighs> Son of a bitch! All right, Mitch, you're in, bud. One of those. So. I'm uh, I'm gonna take the Colts here because my fandom just will not allow me to take the Bears. I can take I I will take them confidently in the spread, but for this particular game, I'm gonna take the Colts. They're looking on the up and up. The Bears are rolling, but they are they have this false confidence in them because it's not like they've really beaten anyone. This could actually this team is way better than any of the teams that they faced. So I feel like Indiana, Indiana. Indianapolis, which is located in Indiana, is going to be able to kind of blow the doors off them a little bit and kind of bring them back to the realization that, you know what, you're really not as good as you think they are. Don't fucking look at my McDonald's wallet. Like, what am I smelling? That's right. That's right. It's 115. I got me some spicy nuggets. I was so confused. Oh, yeah, and they're sounding fire. But this Baltimore Ravens team... <laughs> Playing the Washington football team. And they're what? Shut up. It doesn't 14? Is it 12 now? It's whatever. Ravens are favored by 12 points against the Washington oh, football team. Damn it. It's 14. It's up to 14. Shit. Personally, that's the game I'm not touching. Wally, let's come over to you for it. I, Steven, don't make me do this. I don't. You want to. Uh, I want to play. Okay. All right. The Ravens win. They probably cover minus 14. That said, 
That means Washington is only a game out of first place, Stephen. Do not panic. Do not panic if you're in Washington right now. It's okay. We're going to make it work, but Baltimore is going to win. They're going to cover 14. I don't want to talk anymore about it, but they're going to do very well. Uh, They're hungry this week. Whatever. Uh, Whatever. We're done. We're done with that. Let's move on to the next game. The Rams are hosting the New York Giants. Opened up at minus 9. It's already down to minus 13 on most books I'm seeing right now. I don't blame the books moving that way. I think the Rams are going to win. I hate betting two score, especially double-digit score uh, favorites in the NFL. It feels like that's a trap every single time. With that said, I just can't help it. I, I feel like the Rams, they're going to score enough points where it doesn't matter. The Giants are going to get, you know, in that 14 to 17 point range. But I just, I think the Rams are going to run the score a little bit. I don't know, 34-17 kind of game. Rams went big and cover. Steven, what do you think? We've been talking about how absolutely horrible the Giants have been. So how can I back up them covering 13 points? No. I have the Rams minus 13. This should be the easiest double-digit spread that you should have. And if you if you think that we're wrong about this, look at the last couple weeks of the teams that played the Giants. They won by 20. Minimum. The Giants are absolutely horrible. My goodness, I feel so bad for Joe Judge. Literally going from New England, the epitome of perfection, to New York. The epitome of the rat running out from underneath the dumpster. That is the team that you are coaching. I have the Rams minus 13. Not a problem at all. But the game, Kansas City. You love the Chiefs. I know that, Wally. But Kansas City and the Patriots... It's not like the matchup we were having the past couple years. We got Cam Newton against Patty Mahomes. Kansas City, seven-point favorites at home, but the odds are plus 100, at least on my book. That's what I have. For this, never, ever, 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 ever bet against Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, but now you never, ever, ever bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Asterisk next to Patrick Mahomes because that's who you do not want to bet against. I know that I tried to lead you down that hole. Minus nine against the Chargers two weeks ago and it didn't hit. But this one, I feel like is going to be the way to go. And I just see this game being decided by a touchdown. So worst comes to worst, you make your money back or you win. I have the Chiefs minus seven at home at Arrowhead against the Patriots. Wally, what are we thinking? I want to preface this, by the way, first with... You know that I bet on every game. You know that I'm the guy that's going to pick every game. That makes sense. If you were ever going to give my permission to stay away from one, for me, this was it. New England's hot. They score in every way that you can ask. Bill Belichick is a freaking evil genius. We knew that already. It's KC. We already talked about it. I just can't see this Chiefs team losing any game. Like I do not think they'll go undefeated. This might be one of those games that I was talking about earlier where I'm going to pick the Chiefs. But I could see them losing one just because it's like it's so hard to stay motivated and, and interested for 19 straight games as an NFL team. But I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs to win. I'm taking a minus seven. Enough being said there. It's going to be a great game. I think sit back. It'll be a blast. Let's go to my Raiders now. Raiders are hosting the Bills. I really, really, really hate betting the Raiders. You guys have heard it the last few weeks. I usually fade them. They opened up in minus or at plus two and a half. They're at plus three and a half now. I feel a little disrespected by this. 
I'm not a Bills guy. Not against the Bills. I love Buffalo. I love the people of Buffalo. I just think that the Raiders are much better than the country is giving them credit for. Steven's really high on him, and I appreciate that. He's a man for that. But I feel like most people are kind of getting that, like, eh, they're good if they play the right team. And I don't necessarily disagree, but this is a Raiders team that just lost. They're getting a little healthier now. I think that coming back home is a blessing in disguise. Two and a half, three and a half, whatever it is, I disagree with it. I think the Raiders are going to win outright. I feel like this is a must win, not because of where they are record-wise. Because they are 2-1, and one, that's great and all. But with their upcoming schedule, which is an absolute gauntlet, this feels even more critical. They play the Bills. Let's just, for, for habit's sake, call it a loss. So they're 2-2. Two and two. Their next two games is at KC and then home against Tampa Bay. That's 2-4, and four, man. I don't like that. So I think this is a must win. I think they're going to be all about it. Let's go with the uh, let's go with the Raiders. Let's go with the Raiders. Not only to cover plus three and a half, we're going with the Raiders to win outright. So you got the money line on them. See, this one's interesting. Once you go to the once you go to the what the Death Star is that is that what they're calling it? Oh yeah, the Death Star. Buffalo squeaked out a victory last week barely. I know that they were up, but they also gave that lead up and then got bailed out by a a shit pass interference call. So I'm going to go with, I have to go with Vegas plus three at their own place when the only time I've seen them play there was they beat Drew Brees. Yeah, without Michael Thomas. That's who you've been talking about all game or all podcasts that they don't have Michael Thomas. I don't care. It's still Drew Brees. If they, if, if Aaron would have lost that game in, uh, in New Orleans, in New Orleans without Devontae, we'd be like, well, we have, well, we're out. We don't have Devontae. Well, you have Aaron Rodgers. Well, you got fucking Drew Brees there. So I'm gonna go with yes, the Raider. Sir. I'm gonna go with the Raiders plus three on this. Not only because they're they're the underdogs at home, but you know how highly I am on the plus three minus three with my bets. So a plus three is a lock to me. I think that they'll have this. Another thing to look at in this game, over under set at fifty two and a half right now, at least on my book. I would take the under on this. I can see this as being a very sloppy game offensively. The Bills are coming off a game that they were winning, had a comeback, and they ended up winning at the end. This is how we're going to determine if the Bills are really the team that at least I'm very high on. I know that you're kind of mediocre on. But if you're able to overcome a huge victory with another victory again on the road against a Raiders team... It, that's going to be hard for me. That's why I'm going to have to stick with the Raiders plus three. And we're going to have to flip it over to your boys. You know I'm always going to do this too, Wally. Your boys up in Philadelphia. But they're over in San Francisco as seven-point underdogs to the Niners, who we don't really know. The injury report's coming out. Looks like George Kittle's going to play. It looks like your boy, Jimmy G, is going to play. Don't don't look at me like that. I know it's your boy. I saw your porn. I saw your Pornhub history. It just said Jimmy G. That's it. But seven points against the Eagles. This one is this one's raising my eyebrows because I, I alluded to it earlier when it was just us talking. I feel like this right when we're counting the Eagles out, that's when they decide they want to play some ball. So I feel like this could potentially be that game. But I'm going to go with the Niners, minus seven. And I feel like I'm going to have a conversation this time next week about how stupid I am. Because I 
definitely should have picked the Eagles, but I'm going to go with the Niners minus seven. Eagles have not proved to me that that they can do anything. The backups for the 49ers proved to me that they can still be a competitive football team. See, I'm huge in Kyle Shanahan. You guys know that, but I don't know. Maybe this is just, again, me hedging things that I don't like to see. It feels like this is the game that the Eagles are going to win inexplicably. I'm not even just saying that they cover plus seven. I don't know what it is, guys. I think the Eagles win this game outright. We haven't really seen the 49ers since opening week healthy. They lost opening week. Arizona, I'm a lot higher now than I was before. Philadelphia, I am scraping the ground with how low I am. I can't stand them. You know, I'm, I just hate that city. I hate the team. I don't know what it is. This feels like a must win. I know that they're technically half a game out of first uh, at 0-2-1. But it feels like a game that they want to go out and prove themselves. I'm picking the Eagles, covering and winning. And I think we're going we're gonna to look back and less than to give credit to the Eagles, it's going to be maybe we have to second guess the San Francisco 49ers because their only two wins so far are against those technically called football teams in New York. Uh, I, I give the Eagles not only the spread win, but the money line win. But let's then end it with who you want to be talking about. Monday Night Football. Green Bay is hosting the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons that have blown two 15-point leads in consecutive weeks. And for the record, no team has ever blown two 15-point leads in the same season before. And they did it back-to-back weeks. Steven, I'm going to be honest. I, I want I want to not pick the Green Bay Packers here because I want to think Atlanta's going to do the whole, we're playing for our coach. We're going to show up. We're going to shock the world. Why? The Packers are scoring, as I stated earlier in the show, 37-plus points every single game. Aaron Rodgers is on a mission. Aaron Rodgers looks like prime Aaron Rodgers. Why am I going to pick against them? Here, here's the deal. I'm not. Packers, minus seven. They win outright. They cover. Screw the Falcons. Dead to me. I'm tired of tired of hearing about them. I'm tired of hearing about them. I know you were big on them earlier in the year. This is an opportunity where we can kind of both exercise our demons. You pick your boys, and let's just burn the Falcons forever. Of course I'm going to pick my boys. I realistically pick my boys. Green Bay minus seven and Lambo all day. That is what I'm picking. I'm also going to pick the over 56 and a half. Atlanta's secondary, their defense, let alone outside of Grady Jarrett, their defense is shit. Especially in the secondary. Aaron Rodgers is going to light you up. Devontae Adams, without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazard, I don't care. Put just let him throw to the tight ends and he will outscore that outscore the Falcons offense. But at the same time, I'm super nervous because when I'm very when I'm very confident in picking my Packers to win a game or cover a game, they never do it. These past couple weeks, I've been dead on with it, so I feel like the time is up. Where Matt Ryan just is going to decide to bring the game within four points, and then we're going to lose. I still think Green Bay is going to win. Backdoor cover. But the, yeah, exactly, some bullshit like that, but. The over, at least. If you're not comfortable with the spread, the over 56.5 is going to be an absolute lock. We were talking about a little bit earlier, the winning team 
from these matchups, the past, what, five or six matchups, the winning teams have not scored less than 34 points. Actually, both teams have not scored less than 34 points. So what makes you think that you shouldn't take this? Their defenses are arguably worse than when they've always matched up. Take the over, 56.5, Green Bay minus 7. That's how we're going to end because you know you got to end on the Packers. Do you want to add anything, Walter? Oh, just real quick, Steven. I want to shoot my last Thursday night football score. Next week, Tampa Bay. Unless it, and it, this feels like a score that might drastically change. You might disagree with me. But Tampa Bay minus three traveling to Chicago for Thursday night football. Does that not feel like a super lock? I'm hammering the money now. Ooh, you you got you got a little skeptical on your face there. See, like you you cannot jump to it this quick because. By the way, Tampa Bay money line and cover. Oh, for next week. Yeah, I'm not. I'll. We'll we'll talk on uh, we'll talk on Monday or Tuesday. We'll see how that happens because, as we know from week two, any injury could happen. Tom Brady can fucking tear his ACL trying to run and kiss his son on the lips <laughs> while he's at home. For all we know, so you never know. But that is gonna wrap up episode four of Loss of Down. Always a shout out to Mr. Walter Lukashensky who wants to join me here from Pittsburgh. So thank you. Uh, you should be thanking me because I'm letting you drink beer uh, and sleep on my couch. Letting me drink beer I paid for. You have a fake ID, and we all know it. You may be 27, but you are not fucking fooling me with that bitchy, patchy beard that you have on. Thank you for listening. Obviously, uh, you know, give us a follow on Instagram, at Loss of Down, on Twitter, at Loss of Down. Do we have a Facebook yet, you fucking bum? Nope. We're still working on Facebook, but I'm assuming none of my listeners are 50 or above, so I'm assuming you guys are not going to be doing that. We will have a Loss of Down Facebook page this week. So if you are listening to this beyond October 5th, there is a Loss of Down Facebook page. Give us a follow there as well. So please, give us a follow. Shoot us some text. What what do we need to do better here? Do we need to clean some shit up? And then when you send us that text, we're probably just going to ignore it because we are living our dreams. We're not going to be you know relying on what you think that we should be doing. So thank you for listening. Check in next week here. Potentially a change of days that we're going to be dropping this. So we're going to let you know here. Like I said, follow all of our social media. We'll make sure to get that across from you. Loss of down. Let's get you out of that fucking hole that you put yourself in because everyone took Miami plus Let's get you out of the hole this Sunday. Loss of down. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>